It's time for the No Shot Clock Podcast. We're talking the biggest stories in Illinois high school basketball. Now, here are your hosts, Michael O'Brien of the Chicago Sun-Times and Joe Hendrickson of the City Suburban Boost Report. Welcome on in. It is January. The holiday tournaments are behind us, and we are in the thick of things here. This is, I think, Joe, my favorite part of the season. Uh, now that we kind of get the shootouts behind us, the holiday tournaments are been. I like these one game a day kind of things with some bigger conference matchups back in the high school gyms. And I've seen the best teams, so I can get out and maybe see some weird stuff. So I enjoy this time of year. What's and your I least favorite? Your favorite least... is coming with Martin Luther King. My least uh, favorite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is um, I don't know if I have one. Oh, I don't like the in between the holiday tournament and December. Uh, yeah, I don't like December. I don't like all the shootouts at one. They're just yeah. it's too much. There are a lot of shootouts, by the way. Yeah, and yesterday, man, I was at um, you know, Young. It's just lousy. You got Curie versus Romeoville. Number one is on the ropes. They play terrible first half. It's staying close the whole way. No one is cheering. Like that whole like big bleacher side at Young is almost full. But everybody's just about to play another game, just played a game, or is just there to observe. And it was so dead. I mean, I don't think I don't think people cheer on. I don't think they cheer on Sundays. Yeah, (laughs) that must be. Yeah, it was very depressing. I I did not like that. So I'm I'm done with that. I want to go back to some high school gyms. And just enjoy. Well, that, uh, that's a point, Mike, that I talk to coaches about too. Is just the overwhelming amount of shootouts, right? Every weekend. Yeah. yeah. Some of these teams, why not just play a home and a home? Like, if it's not a, I, again, I, 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 with the fact that I do run an event, but, um, when sides collide, but, you know, if it's not one of the real big ones, I, I guess I guess I don't know why some of these teams wouldn't mind just you know what I, we'll come we'll come to your place and have a pretty good home crowd in your gym, and then we'll you know next year you'll come to our place. Is it for recruiting? Because they think it's more likely that for the coach... big for the big ones. Oh, you mean for evaluating? Yeah. yeah, like even yesterday there were a bunch of college coaches there. Well, I will say on Sundays, that's probably the one benefit yeah. of a Sunday is Sunday colleges don't play as much on Sunday and they can get out and see. So that would be a plus. Um, but yeah, I just, it's, eh. I don't know. All yeah, right. Not great. Um, this episode, everybody, we're going to talk about do this every year surprises. It's, uh, I think we picked four, I think we decided on that we're going to talk about. We'll do our two takes. And if we have time at the end, there's some big games we'd like to preview. And I think a teaser, Joe, is is next weekend. Next week, do you think stock report time? Yeah, I need a, yeah. There's a tour. No, it's it's yeah, that's it, about right. I think so because yeah, the public league playoffs are starting in like two weeks. Yeah, we got to so, remember the season yeah. is. I I, I always Impacted. forget. It, yeah, because I keep talking about you know March, March, March. Well, it actually starts in February. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. But we're over quick in March, but um. All right, surprises. Um, I think my this this one could be kind of negative. The one I want to talk DuPage Valley Conference. Uh, we we talked about them in the preseason, so I think oh, maybe. Oh, hold on. So yeah, we're not yeah. we're not doing takes. 
Oh, you want to do takes first? Well, we usually do takes. Our listeners right. are always... Let's do takes first. Let's... All right. I mean, I don't know if we've ever done takes last. All right. Takes it is. Uh, I and, guess and, and I have the shortest take in history. All right. Do it. I mean, I'm talking like... One... It'll give us more time to talk about other things. All right. You ready? The I'm shortest ready. shortest... <laughs> yes. it, it's a rule. A high school basketball rule. Underrate The most underrated addition to the rule book in Illinois high school basketball is and I, I can't remember what year it started the running clock ah mike it's 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 glorious <laughs> it, it wasn't that long ago i remember for, when it started for, <laughs> and i noticed it because of the proliferation of shootouts yeah. and high school or uh holiday tournaments i mean it's all it, it's great you're sitting there for an all-day deal and that clock in a game you don't want to watch starts running there was a couple at York, and I was like, oh, I'm here all day long, which is great. I love Jack Dosh. But <laughs> you get that fourth quarter over, like, it's – no one wants to watch that fourth quarter. They don't do it at Pontiac. They don't have a running clock at Pontiac? Nope. The one tournament that needs it the most? <laughs> they do not have it. Nope. I think it were two times it would have gone the, into play. The, the t- yeah, the time crunch at Pontiac, the yeah. three days. Get that clock running on those blowouts. Anyway, I that's my take. It, it is the most underrated addition to high school basketball is the running clock. There we go. Give would you yours. would you expand it to the third quarter too? No, because then I really okay. I, I really feel bad for the twelfth man. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or in uh, Ben or Batavia's case, the twentieth man. Yeah. I I I just those guys get chipped. <laughs> They really do. So we're not gonna that many kids. I didn't realize. Oh, I, 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 you know, I, I'm speaking out of turn because they usually do. Okay. Yeah, I've not seen. I I can't remember this year. Um, mine, I guess, is going to be pretty quick too. My first take. Uh, Devin Cleveland, he's good. (laughs) Another freshman. He's right. Yeah, he's right there. I was. Yeah. You know, I, I thought maybe. Okay, who would think he was right there? The other two are so good. That right. Was... But I want to interrupt you, Mike. Yeah. October story. Yes. I'm not, I'm not, you know, it, it, and, and okay, so I've written two big, huge, pretty much features on the freshman. This last week over the, yeah, you know, the great sensational play of the two freshmen, Jackson Davis and Davion Thompson over the holidays, Devin Cleveland just wasn't playing. You know, he just come back from injury. But in that, in that fall one, it was all about three freshman guards. Yes, you know, and and I, his upside. I'm t- inter- I'm interrupting your take. No, that's okay. Yeah, go for it. His yeah. his upside. Yeah, Devin Cleveland. If if he can, if he grows a little. He looks like he's gonna. Yes, got that length. Yeah, he's not like a Cleveland. No offense to the Cleveland family, which is very good. Yeah, <laughs> basketball. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, we'll go back to your take. Go ahead. Yeah, up. I know that. I mean, it was, I fully expected, obviously we have like one A and one B with Davion Thompson and Jackson Davis, and they were just so good. I didn't think there was any way there was going to be a one C. I thought it would just be like a really high two at best. I was totally wrong. I was super impressed. I mean, I've never seen Davion Thompson play that well in person. I wasn't at the, you know, York the the York final I watched it on video and on live you know the live stream and it was awesome but Devin Cleveland I mean that was against 
you know, war, it was, he outshone Jackson Davis. Yes. Jackson Davis did outscore him. Jackson Davis will never be outscored. It feels like, but Devin Cleveland was just spectacular. And, you know, he's coming off an injury after the game. They're telling me he was 90%. <laughs> like what? I mean, the shot was there. I, he, yeah. I was just very, very impressed. I mean, it is so exciting uh, to watch these kids, but anyway, yeah, Devin yeah. Cleveland for anybody who who's wondered if there could possibly be three that good, if maybe Joe was nuts. He's not nuts. Yeah, he he showed. There was a game at Riverside Brookfield in June. You know, before well, before he even played in varsity basketball, uh, that counted. That it's just he just looked the part, like of that that freshman phenom type. And then you know all the injuries slowed him down, and it just he hasn't played. Um, and then yeah, I mean, I, I was I didn't I did not see that game yesterday, but uh, you know, he was terrific also in the fall stuff. It, yeah, he's. He's as he's as special as all three. I mean, like you just said. So, um, my, my my second one's a little bit longer than the first one. Uh, I just, I as this is anybody who's listening who really, and I, I'm assuming the people that listen to No Shot Clock are huge high school basketball fans. So, I, I just wanted to hit on something that kind of makes this state special, particularly you know, later in the season and when the state tournament gets rolling around. And that is when some of our great high school programs around the state, outside of the Chicago area, these big name programs that are synonymous with the history uh, of the state historically, it, it just makes it better. And, and, and th- there's a lot of them that are really putting together some big seasons. And I just wanted to point out just to kind of get the listener just you know, cognizant of what's happening out there outside our state. And anybody who's follows high school basketball knows Quincy basketball. It's just one of the elite. I mean, they've won 13 state trophies, Mike, over its history, uh, finishing the top four in the state, obviously, with a couple of state championships. But they, they've been absent. And Quincy is a hotbed. Anybody who's gone to a game at Quincy, I was there late 80s, actually. Or no. Early '90s, sorry, early '90s is the last time I was at Quincy, and it was it's incredible experience. You know, teams from up here in the Chicago area for years now have been taking not just their shootout that they have, but also a road trip to Quincy just to experience a game at Quincy. Their fans, their season ticket base, their their in player introductions with the Blue Devil. It's uh, it, it's it's pretty magical when it comes to the high school basketball level. But they are 16 and one. They have a Bonafide, legitimate Division One player in Bradley Longcore. He's a six-four junior guard, uh, and then a whole bunch of guys that have been playing together for two, three years. So keep an eye on Quincy. Uh, you know they are—they're going to be a four-A school, and they have not been back to state. Uh, I got to look back here. Oh, it's I been... know, two thousand. No, no, ninety-eight. Yeah, what? 98, whatever so, the yeah, heck it was. I was there. Why? Why, they angry. beat Joliet or something? Yes, they did, and it was a bunch of crud. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I could have gotten kicked out of that game. Let's just, they had that big guy, Louis Rivas, and if you looked at him sideways, he was on the free throw line. It drove me insane. <laughs> Very annoying game. Well, Quincy was the first team I remember as a kid being like mesmerized by, in awe of Michael Payne. Bruce Douglas, I went to Champaign with my dad is probably a nine-year-old, eight-year-old. 
Uh, it, it was anyway. Uh, they won the state championship. It, you know, the other team I was gonna bring up is Collinsville, way down south. Uh, another there's there's very few programs that can match overall the success of Collinsville. Uh, they're another one with two state titles. They've they've made a, over a dozen state appearances. Again, they have been absent. Uh, they beat Quincy in the Collinsville. It's a tournament, Mike, I've never been to that I would love to get to uh, if it ever allowed myself to do it. But Collinsville's been a, a a stop that I would love to go. But they beat Quincy in the championship game. Their MVP of that tournament was Jamoria Weisinger. Uh, uh, he's a kid who's already got like 55, 63 pointers on the year. Uh, pretty impressive. So Collinsville is 17 and one. And then last one, one of my favorite programs in the state that I have no affiliation with, just because I love their nickname, the Orphans Centralia. The Centralia Orphans are 17 and 0, Class 3A, another Southern Illinois team. Uh, if anybody really follows it, they are, I don't know if they're first or second right now because it's been going back and forth. The winningest high school basketball program in the country. They are approaching 2,400 wins as a program. Uh, 24 state appearances. Uh, recently, they did have a, a, a great run. They finished second in the state, if people remember, about a decade, a little over a decade ago in 2011. But they're unbeaten. Uh, they will be favored. I was kind of looking at their schedule. I have a story coming out kind of highlighting all, a bunch of these teams. But they have... They're going to be favored in every game, so it would be really cool. I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for the undefeated team heading into March, and if they can beat the teams they're supposed to beat, they would be undefeated with a somewhat favorable road. Um, you know, to get to Champagne, we'll see it to get out of their sectional at the very least. So, and then they would go to the Springfield Super Sectional. So, yeah, those there's a lot of teams around Illinois. You know, Metamora, obviously, we, we've talked a lot, you know, some about here. Normal's coming to the Chicago area. We're going to talk a little bit about them. Just another team that's unbeaten, Mount Zion. Um, they're undefeated at 17-0-3. So it, it's an interesting year around the state. Uh, and it's not in the Quad Cities. It's not, uh, you know, in the Rockford area. You know, we've had teams like Rockford-Auburn and Moline and, and even Rock Island, uh you know, none of those teams are included in this group. So it's going to be a fun uh, storyline to watch as as the, season, as the season plays out. Yeah, I think, I think, what, so we can have one out of area team along with the three Catholic League teams? <laughs> oh, and, and 3A? Three three yeah. Uh, yeah, the orphans. Uh, Australia yeah. orphans. Not great. Um, my second take, a little bit of a playoff road a, a bit as well. And I don't know if anybody noticed probably got swallowed up in all the uh, news over the weekend, but Riverside Brookfield knocked off Lincoln park 70 to 63 on Friday. Then they had a tight one on Saturday against Nazareth, just kind of squeaked it out. But RB is a team I've seen a couple times. And I, I feel like I saw some noticeable improvement in the month between like first seeing them. And I think something I didn't really factor in, they host the sectional in four a, and I think that win against Lincoln Park shows that they can play and beat, you know, some of the upper echelon teams. And I think a lot of these teams in that Riverside Brookfield sectional aren't as good as we thought <laughs> either. When yeah. you kind of look at the names, um, the, the Curie is obviously the favorite, 
Then you've got Kenwood, who's kind of maybe on a resurgence here. You got Lincoln Park, who RB just beat. And you've got Simeon, St. Ignatius, who RB's already beaten. Whitney Young, who's up and down. Lions, who they've already beaten. This is a totally winnable home sectional for Riverside Brookfield, who has a legit big man in Stefan Sisic that very few teams can counter at all. In fact, Lincoln Park is one of the few teams that could um, with Keyshawn Bearfield, and that they beat them by seven already. So you, you could very well wind up with an RB team at home with just as much talent as anybody they're up against. And I think that could be really interesting. RB can bring out a crowd. Um, if they can manage to get to that sectional and who knows how things are going to work out, who they're going to have to play early, but I've never really, maybe this is negative. I've never really (laughs) seen an RB team that I thought was going to make much noise in the playoffs simply because of their path. You know, even when they've been pretty good, there's just been a monster in their way. I I think the ceiling is high for this RB team, especially because they're at home. I think they're one we should definitely keep an eye on over the course of the next month and a half. One worry, though. I'm worried about their schedule. It, it kind of didn't, just didn't pan out for them. They just don't have many, really any tests left this season. They're going to play De La Salle. Uh, they'll play Lions again. And they have Hillcrest and Proviso East with their bo- both down. Oaklawn has been good. But that's my one worry. I feel like the other teams in this sectional... I just kind of have a lot of chances to improve and play a lot of really good teams. And I'm a little worried about RB just doesn't have that, but I still think they're one we should keep an eye on a little closer than normal. Don't discount that 14 Metro suburban. Um, (laughs) No, RB has won a considerable amount of games. They've been in sectional play a lot of years, 19, 20, 22, 20. They they won 26, 20. I think they won 26 games last year. Their last sectional title. Uh, you know, 2015. Um, they did. They're they're they're. It's interesting, Mike. To me, is just Curie's arguably their second best player at Curie is. Yeah. Oh yeah, I didn't think about that. It was Will Gonzalez. Will Gonzalez. Oh wow. Transferred. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, it is a team that you know Mike Ranger was done a great job taking over for Tom McClaskey. I think to a point where it's been elevated. Um as a overall they've kind of t- continued to take steps they're moving leagues you know they're moving to the upstate eight sounds of it the breakdown isn't going to be that much more advantageous to them um as, as a program but it, it is what you said uh a chance for this team to kind of get the second half continue to build that conference keep rolling um and, and put themselves in position to like you said, playing teams that are beatable. Um, and I got a chance to see them play a little bit at um, at York, you know, and, you know, they lost that Palatine game. It was, if anybody remember, it, it was a heartbreaker. Yeah. Uh, Sidelot side out of bounds, buzzer beater, Connor May. Uh, and to their credit, they came back and beat two teams, you know, at consolation, but still, they, they came out there with a 3 and 1 record, and then they rolled over or beat that you know, Lincoln Park win. So they got things going and, and they put themselves in the position to be ranked. And I, again, a little bit of a surprise um, to me in, in terms of, you know, where they're at considering what they lost. Yeah. It sounds like Stephen Brown is the surprise. Even the team, the, the players were kind of surprised. I guess he was not even really in the rotation last year. And now he's scoring 20 a game. 
Um, so he, he's been a really pleasant surprise uh, for them, for sure. All right. Uh, surprise time here, Joe. Yeah, let's get to it. We got four uh, of them. Four of them here. Um, get it off. And number one might be cheating. It's the DuPage Valley Conference, because I think we hyped it up a little bit in the preseason. But I'm going to tell everybody a secret. I still didn't think I was going to want to watch watch DuPage Valley Conference basketball. I'm well, sorry. <laughs> and the other and the other thing, Mike, is you, the teams that were really hyped. Oh yeah, that's you hyped point. you hyped Naperville North. Yeah, I kind of hyped Matia Valley. Yeah, and you know I thought Wabansi was going to be good and Nikwa was going to be solid and Nikwa, but it's Wabansi and Nikwa now. And, and, and we and, and DeKalb we hyped. Yeah. We probably hyped the three teams that are below those two more than the other ones. And it's, you know, Wabansi's have been a story in itself, one of the undefeated teams. Um, So. I still like DeKalb's ups. I wouldn't be surprised to see them. They, they're young, and I think they've been getting better. They've played a rugged schedule, some good teams. They're 12 and 5. Yeah. I'm I'm interested to watch how they go. Aniqua Valley to me is a, a shock. I did not see that coming at all. And I think they're one of the more solid. They don't have the gaudy record of some Aniqua teams, but I think they're pretty tough group of kids um, yeah i mean I've, I've had an affinity for wabansi valley as i as i watched them in december and I, they just really st- it stood out to me we both were at the Nikwa wabansi game this past friday you know the three times i've seen wabansi um I, I i thought that was probably the less of the three performances that i've seen them play so oh really okay that was my um first. yeah so i i i think I think they're upside because of how they play and the the various weapons they have is probably the greatest in that league right now. And it's, as a result, that's why they're <laughs> with the record they have. And, and I just want to mention Tyreek Coleman, a, a point guard, has really caught my eye. He was a player I watched last year. He didn't play really any AAU in the spring and summer. And he's... He just makes that team go. He's a junior point guard with some size and length, and uh, he's got a little go in him. And he it, he kind of just makes that thing go. And I, I just think Wabansi Valley, uh, they got a couple of big tests in the second half of the season. I don't think they're going to run the table and be undefeated. They could – we'll talk a little bit about their upcoming schedule coming up in, uh, at the end of this podcast. But, yeah, and, and Luke Kikade at Nequa Valley is – I don't want to say it's a one-man show, but he has really carried him. He's a, sh- a really good shooter, undervalued right now in terms of you know recruiting and, and the interest he's received. Um, you know he he should be a coveted, must-have Division II prospect at the very least. So it, it, it's you know Naperville North has struggled, um, you know, and and. You know, I, I did Cal was what you said. You know, they, they got a huge, big upside. Interestingly, uh, our next uh, surprise, we're going to talk about the young guys. And it, last year, I kept going around. You know, you love to see sophomores show flashes. And last year, it was just bleak out there. <laughs> I was not. And Tyree Coleman, in a game against Bolingbrook, was one of the few sophomores I saw that gave me a little spark. And it... it it just reminded me how little it had happened. And I mean, as we've seen the junior class still struggling a bit, but that's not the case this year. Our, our second big surprise is young players. We've talked a lot about the freshmen. Um, there are some other freshmen I've been hearing about, haven't even gotten around to see yet, but 
oh my goodness, the sophomore class. I mean, every single event I go to, there are multiple sophomores and they're not doing what Tyreek Coleman did last year, giving me glimpses and some hope. They're they're the best players in the game. And I'm not sure I've ever had a year where so many sophomores were again and again the best players in the game. It's really, really exciting for me, this class of, what do we got here, 2026? Yeah. Um, I mean, it, you know, it starts at the top. Obviously, we saw Gabe Solarski, you know, he's been kind of the, the number one ranked player, and he's and he's lived up to it. He's been terrific. But as you said, there's, you know, even his, his two teammates, Colin yeah. Stack, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he has seven-footer. Uh, Jaden Wright's been a terrific shooter, so just bend it alone, those three. But like you said, up and down. You see, you know, like what New Trier's done. You know, it was Christopher Kirkpatrick, uh, just a really heady 6'2 point guard uh, at New Trier. Danny uh, Houlihan at New Trier. They yeah, got two. Uh, uh, great, <laughs> yeah, yeah, great shooter. So, yeah. you know, Lincoln Williams is putting up significant numbers mm-hmm. uh, at Kankakee. Uh, some of the bigger names we are filming with, you know, Jameson Coulter has been Terrific for Rich. Stephen Brown, obviously, at Marist. Um, you know, Cameron Mercer is, you know, 15, 14, 15 points a game for that Riverside-Brookfield team that we talked about. Uh, I know you like Devon Grant at, at uh, DeKalb. You know, Noah Mister's been a nice little addition for for a highly ranked Mount Carmel team. You know, the transfer that came in from Kenwood really is in. You, you've mentioned the, you know, Lincoln Park, Ahmad Lee. Um, you know, they, it is, uh, you know, and, and I'm about ready to say my biggest breakout player in the class to me Ooh. Um, is, is without question among, you know, my college coaches that, you know, I talk to and recruiting service and things like that is, is Carson Thomas at Lincoln Way East. You know, he's putting up 19, 20 a game for a team that's got 12, 13 wins. Um, it, to me, just a lot of these guys we've heard about and talked about, he didn't even play varsity, you know, last year as, as a freshman. A lot of these guys got a little, uh, you know, their foot, their feet wet uh, playing varsity basketball. So, you know, then there's a bunch of more names that we have. I mean, the entire Whitney Young team. Get, get into, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Marquise <laughs> Clark and, you know, Nazir Rankin and, um, you know, Rico D'Alessandrio and, and Raikon Wu. Like, I just named the whole team, like you said. But – it, it is encouraging, and then you follow it up with the freshman. Yeah, um, it, it's. I don't. I, I almost feel like I'm jinxing myself getting <laughs> getting excited because people have heard me whine about the talent level in in, in our state. Uh, it it has been like a. It has been a, just not a bump in the road. It's been a. A five, six, seven year run of below average in terms of comparison of Illinois talent for the previous 50 years. That, that That's just the facts. It's just, you know, the amount of division one players, the amount of high level players, it's just all been down uh, by the numbers. And again, knock on wood. Well, this is a turning point. Yeah, very exciting. I mean, so many names. Like you didn't even mention Rajon Roberts. <laughs> yeah, right. we're talking about good stuff. There's we're, we're leaving out other big names. It it, just, it seems to be a loaded class. Oh, and, Charles and, Barnes. A de- yeah, I mean, what's gonna we're getting ourselves in trouble because there's tons of them. And get people, this, people yeah. are gonna you know I, I, I not talk about. We saw Amari Pryor at, at Bloom have a 
you know, some moments at great at, at games. Pontiac. Yeah. Yeah. And remember this, they're not even all here yet. Quite yeah. often the, the best players in that class aren't big stars young, right. you know, there's guys that come later. So this is just the opening salvo for the class of 2026. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really thrilling, hopefully we're on our way back here, Joe. Uh, what is, uh, let's go. Uh, want to do shot clock. I, that's my, that's my baby. So yeah, go ahead. All right. All right. Um, so I guess Joe and I both had, uh, I guess some shot clock type surprise things. My, I guess mine might be a little confusing. I, every anybody listening to this knows I didn't really care about the shot clock one way or another because I'd spent that ye- almost a half a season timing possessions, and I realized it was <laughs> it wasn't going to matter. And that's been the case uh, very rarely. I mean, you can spend a whole day at the Dipper and there's no shot clock violation. Um, what I didn't wrong tournament too. I mean, you can spend it any. <laughs> Yeah. Talk talk about shot clock running out. But uh like I don't think there was one at there wasn't one at DePaul yesterday or on Saturday, was there? But but see, Mike here, Yeah, I know, I know, but, but I'm just but, saying my whole but, but, it but, doesn't but, matter but, where but, it is. That was Loyola and DePaul and there wasn't no, one. But yeah. but wait but that argument to me is it, it what I notice in defense of it, it is the poor shots that come at the end of the shot clock because a team is rushing, rushing it. They they're out of sync. They're not in their flow. They're not an offense. It, they, they're, they're it, it just happens. And that's what I've noticed. Um, and I don't mind it because it's like, okay, you want to sit there and dilly dally around and, and milk 12, 14, 15 seconds when you're doing absolutely nothing and getting into a set or whatever it might be. Uh, so that's why I, yeah, yeah. And my surprise is what it's done to the whole pace of the game. It, I was wrong. It isn't that it's short. What a, how to, I, I wasn't wrong that we don't have 35 second possessions, but I didn't understand how it would just impact the overall flow of the game. Even when you're not getting down to that last five or 10 seconds, it has definitely picked it up and that's been fantastic. Um, but give me the shot clock in the last three overall. minutes of a game. The last three minutes of the game. I, it eliminates teams holding the ball, yes. But by and large, it doesn't happen a whole lot. <laughs> not, not all teams, but Juliet West struggled with the shot clock. So <laughs> the, it was driving the, me nuts. Yeah. But the end of games, it changes the the way it's played. And it's particularly as schools and teams and coaches get used to it. I think it's going to get even better understanding of how to use that, how to play it to your advantage and, you know, the we were talking about right before the podcast, just the, you know, one minute left, one possession. You're, you're, you know, a team's not holding it, and they're also not fouling for the most part. You know, we can get into the whole foul situation change with the, for the quarters. But, it, you know, let's D up. Let's get a stop. Let's get the ball back and tie this thing or go win it. You know, it's it, it isn't just this. This team's going to run off 30 seconds and then we're going to foul at that point. It, it, and then I, I get into the little things of sideline out of bounds. There's four seconds left in the shot clock. I I, I just like that stuff. Um, it, it just adds to me from a coaching standpoint and a basketball viewer standpoint. Uh, I do think the it's kind of funny because nobody talked about the change of the foul rules and that's impacted things more than the shot clock. It's been, I think it's also been really good um overall and it sped games up quite a bit like there was no delays at Pontiac this year and it they don't have the shot clock it was because of that five uh fouls a quarter rule 
It's um, a, that that's I I love that too. It's been a, Gene Heidkamp doesn't like it, and he gave a an interesting explanation. He was the first person, and I was too busy doing other stuff, but I have it recorded, and I keep meaning to go back and listen to what Gene said so I could kind of think about it more. But I haven't had the time yet. I've still got it. I have to do that. He's the only person I've talked to that wasn't. I think it might be because of what happened to that Metamora Thornton game, where Thornton at the end of the third quarter, Metamora had a bunch of fouls to give so they just used them all and ruined thornton's last possession of the third quarter yeah of the third yeah. quarter I yeah think that, that might have been what gene said um, that that does kind of suck for three quarters you i mean yeah. but i'd never seen that happen all season that was the only time so I, I, i've seen yeah. i've seen it i've seen it with like a like one foul 10 seconds i've seen that not just yeah. re- repeatedly using them but yeah, it's an interesting. I'd like to hear what other people think if anybody has takes on this five because it, it's something we didn't see coming. It's something nobody talked about, and it's been hugely impactful um, yeah. this season. In, in, and it'll be in the playoffs, unlike the shot clock, where you know that's a rule that's everywhere. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, last one, uh, big surprise. It's, I mean, it, it's we're always going to be surprised. We have undefeated teams. We're sitting here. It's January eighth, and we have two legit undefeated teams in the area. What? And, and, and who they are is also a little surprising. Wabonzi Valley and Beecher. We've talked about Wabonzi Valley. One second, I'd like to mention Beecher. Aiden McGinley. If you haven't seen Aiden McGinley, I've been watching him now for a few years. I haven't seen them yet this year, but I've seen him the last two. This kid could start for any team in the area. He He's that good of a high school basketball player. He does it all. He fills up stat sheet, and he's the large reason they're undefeated. I'm looking at, forward to getting a chance to get out and seeing them uh, again this season. But then we also have three teams that are undefeated in the state Mount Carmel, Curie and HF all going for number one. I mean, you couldn't ask for anything more exciting on January 8th. Well, I, I get into, I love uh, teams that are do like Beecher that you never heard. I, mean, I looked up Beecher, Mike, they, they have one regional in the history of the school. Yeah. And I think, you know, for the last couple of years, they honestly, they've won a lot of games. I, I don't know their path or who they lost to. They, they've won 25, 26, 27 games in the last couple of years. I know. Um, so it's just, you know, Wabonsi Valley, they, they've had some great teams in the past back coach, Dave Sauerball, Jason, and Jason Mead had some good teams. So, it, um, yeah, to, to have this run to get off. It's, I remember one year, I remember we, I did a story. I, I think it was the year Fremd was undefeated. They actually, Friend went on to beaten all the way to yeah. Peoria, Peoria. Yeah. but there was a year where we were sitting in middle of January with like five unbeatens, um, which is unheard of. All right. We got a little bit of time to uh, talk about some big games. Let's start out Kenwood Curie. It's Thursday. It's at Curie. Kenwood picked up a win. Okay. I'm not going to call it a fluke against Warren, but I think it was kind of a fluke. <laughs> Sorry. They shot yeah. insane. Well, the 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 point differential is flukish. I mean, oh, good point. Yeah, the point differential is definitely. Fluke. I mean, they were like, what was it? They were twelve of twenty from three, I think, and shot like seventy percent from the field. Everything they threw up went in. Literally everything. They just beaten Warren a week before, so I, I'm not to, sure. To, but to me, that had a win. You know, my well, my. Forecast last week was terrible. Uh, picking games, I think it was like three and six, one of the worst weekends I've ever had. But that's what I, my point was: is Warren coming back a week later? Yeah. And Warren was, and I wasn't at the game, so I'm not. But Warren was due for a lemon. I don't know if they played 
you know, not up to their standards or it was all Kenwood doings or I don't know, but it just screamed a Kenwood win to me, um, yeah. which is why I picked him. But yeah. So do we think, I mean, but I do think whatever you think about what happened there, it was a confidence boost. They really needed. Oh, and I, bad. And I think it's the type of game too, that reevaluated the pecking order on the team a bit. I think Cleveland and all Alex Alston really asserted themselves and things running through them seemed to work well. Kelvin Robbins had more playing time than I'd seen in other games as well, you know, down there rebounding and doing his stuff. Maybe it helped find some identity regardless of, you know, all that stuff. So can they go into Curie and change the whole face of the season with a win? What do you think, Joe? I just, you know, (laughs) at at Curie, no, I, I just, I need more proof. I mean, I, you know, their, their losses this year aren't bad. They've, no, they've, they're they've not. They've lost yeah. to Normal. They've lost to Warren. They've lost to Thornton and Lindblom by one. So it's not as if, I mean, they were preseason number one. They haven't played like a preseason number one, but they've also played the first half of the season without a point guard. And Devin Cleveland is, is a special point guard. I don't care if he's a freshman. We'll see, you know, how, you know that the staying power he has, but – I, I just think Curie has a little bit more of that fortitude right now that Kenwood's still trying to develop. So I'll I'll I'll, I'll, I'll be picking Curie on that one. I don't like making picks, but I kind of feel like Kenwood might do it. Um, and you're I'm, talking to the guy that picked Kenwood to win both games this pack. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hear about this either way. So let's move on. HF Bolingbrook. I'm really excited about this one. It's at yeah. Bolingbrook. I wish it was at HF, but uh, can Devin thompson i just called him davion well i'm gonna do that the rest of my life now devin cleveland davion thompson can davion thompson step up and pull off a major victory against homewood flossmore i mean will hf be super up for this one it's not you know a one versus two or top five matchup man i you have to be i mean i i love what hf's doing but i mean they they're not in the position to just be like (laughs) play play, play it cool yeah. You know, so I think they will be. I think they'll come in hungry, and the the they, for whatever reason, number one seems to matter, uh, in the rankings. So, I I know everyone wants to be ranked number one, but it seems a little bit more uh, over the top. Uh, yeah, Curie didn't care so much. <laughs> when I, mean, I was talking you got, to them, yeah. you got the they got the moms after you. So yeah. anyway, I. Yeah, I think they'll be fired up for that. And, I, you know, I think the hype of Davion Thompson helps that, too. Yeah, Bowling Book looked, looked pretty darn good uh, last week. I think they, they're another one of those teams, obviously. You know, these underclassmen are leading the way. I feel like I'm seeing more improvement when I see teams from some of some teams this time, that was definitely the case with uh, Bolingbrook that two or three times I've seen them now definitely looking much better, um, which happens when you got the young guys. Remember Pettigrew's just a junior. So uh, get out and watch some games. It is Martin Luther King weekend. Joe's favorite. We'll see if we can get him into some other consolation brackets going on. I haven't looked that closely, probably (laughs) somewhere, but thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, We'll be back next week.